In Jesus' name. Touch your neighbor, say more. Whoa, the Latino version. Okay, Matthew 25. Here we go, verse, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Everyone say wise. Verse 3, the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Yeah, you know that happens. Verse 6, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Verse 7, then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. Verse 9, no, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, catch this, go to those who sow oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Verse 11, later the others also came, sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Verse 13, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Everyone say, boom. Tonight, I want to speak a message called, get your own oil. Yeah, yeah, just touch your neighbor and say, get your own oil. Get your own oil. Come on, get your own. <laughs> I, I used to, some of you guys know, I used to skateboard a lot. And uh, when I was, when I was, I don't know, just in my teenage years, I started skateboarding when I was 12, 12 teen, if eh, teenagers. Uh, and and we, we, we skated everywhere, man. I probably skated almost every single high school uh, in the Southern California region, man. We've just gone up and down the coast there in the five and just all the way down to San Diego and all this. And, and man, we, we skateboarded a lot. In other words, uh, we, we always, though, ended up at fast food restaurants, like all the time, inevitably, whether we had a car or we didn't have a car, we were going to Taco Bell, we were going to Jack in the Box, you know, we are going to McDonald's, and if it was really bad, we went to Burger King, you know what I'm saying? Like, no offense, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we went, we went to all kinds of places, but for some reason, and maybe y'all can understand this, for some reason, someone in the group was always broke. You know what I'm saying? You know those friends that there's always the one, the one dude who's always just broke in the group. And, and, and a lot of times that was me. But like we were, somebody was always broke in the group and that person would always be asking for money. I always be, hey dude, can you buy me something? Hey, you know, give me Jack in the Box, two tacos for 99 cents. You know, like the whole deal. And at that point, you're thanking God for the dollar menu. You know what I'm saying? You are thanking God for the value menu. You know what I'm saying? I still can tell you what's on Jack in the Box dollar menu. You know what I'm saying? Because it lived off that for a while, a while. And, and so like we, <laughs> but here's the deal. So sometimes, sometimes the broke person would get hooked up and they would get the dollar, you know, someone would drop them a dollar or just everyone would just give them their change. So it would eventually add up to a dollar oh seven. Back in my day, that was the tax included. You, know, you see, you got, you all know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Like the people who know the dollar oh seven, you've been there before. You know what I'm saying? You're like, it does, it's not just a dollar. Sorry, you got to pay tax. We're like, don't you got the little, you know, the thing at 7-Eleven with the extra pennies and the little cup on the front? Can I just take those? You're like, no, it's a jack-in-the-box. We're a little higher class, you know, like, and, we, you know, you're just like, you, you're in that moment and you just can't afford, you know. And so anyway, but so sometimes the, the dude would get hooked up, but then other times the dude without the money gets denied. You know what I'm saying? And this is what would happen with my friends. Uh, you know, we'd sit there. You know, if you were that broke person who gets denied, you'd sit there with your free water cup. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Free water cup with some lemons that were free and then some sugar packets. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then maybe a ketchup packet because you, know you needed some vegetables. And, and so you're, you're sitting there with your own little world. <laughs> Poor people jokes. Come on, man. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, anyway, I grew up in the ghettos of Vista. And so we, we did this. But this is what would happen, man. You'll be sitting there next to your friend who, you know, who's the rich dude in the group who got the number five extra, you know, super, super size, and they got curly fries with a, a Sprite. You know what I'm saying? 
and you're just sitting there. They got extra fries. They got this Mondo burger. They got this jumbo, you know, Fanta, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. And they're sitting there all... <laughs> Don't get offended, no. Uh, when they're sitting there with this whole thing, and you're sitting there with your ketchup packet, your, your free cup of water, your lemons, and your sugar, and you're sitting there, like, trying to snatch a fry. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, hey, look, <laughs> there's a bird, you know. And you just like, uh, you know. And, and, dude, our friends would get so, so angry. Like, we would, it would get in fights. Like, there would be expletives coming, you know what I'm saying? Like, cuss words, you know, where they have to bleep them out. They'd be like, get your own fries, man. What's your problem? What the, man? And I'd be like. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, anyone ever been there? Okay. And so, man, people would get so bad. And, and man, it, you know, because they would get so angry because, you know, they buy you, you can buy you, you know, a jumbo jack, a yumbo yak, you know, one, $1 or I'll get you two tacos, you know, I'll get you whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But after a while, it gets annoying, you know what I mean? And so after a while, they're just like denied, homie, you know. And, and the reality is, is that that could have been avoided if me or whoever would have done some chores, you know, would have got a job, would have, would have done some work and earned my own money so that I could get my own things. Come on, somebody. I mean, I, you guys remember when Ruffles used to have the logo, get your own bag, or the slogan, get your own bag, you guys? Any, any Ruffles connoisseurs here? Man, I, I remember having a, a, just a fat bag of Ruffles cheddar and sour cream with ridges. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. I, oh, I try to go buy one today. I try to get, to, you know, get one for an example, but they don't say get your own bag on it anymore. I was like, come on, that isn't even worth it. You know? But like we, you know, man, and I remember my little brother, because this is the deal. So my parents... Uh, got divorced when I was five. So my sister, my older sister and I grew up in, in my family and we were like, like to have the same parents. And then my parents divorced and then got re- my dad got remarried. And so, you know, some of you guys have experienced this. You got instant brothers, you know what I'm saying? That you never asked for, that's mean. But like, I, as a shock to me, like when I first started, you know, like experiencing this, I'm like, dude, I got brothers that I have to take care of now and I have to share. What in the world, man? I'm used to being the youngest one that you have to fend to survive. You know what I'm saying? My sister, you know, she's awesome. But I mean, like as the baby in the family, you, you got to scrape to survive. You know what I mean? And then you get younger brothers and sisters. Now you all of a sudden have to be responsible for them and hook them up. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And so I remember them asking me, you're like, hey, let me have some of those chips. I'm like, turn the bag over. Get your own bag, homie. Can you read? Can you read? Oh, you're not old enough. Let me help you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> and there's moments like that, man. I'm telling you, because you know what I'm saying? There's not enough for both of us. You know what I mean? There, <laughs> you know how they do it in chips, man. They fill the whole bag up with air and then give you a handful of real chips. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this is the biggest one. And you open it, it's like, and then like sinks down to like 18 chips. And you're like, come on, man. I did not pay $1.69 plus tax for this thing, you know. Anyway. Come on, man. And then the, <laughs> the point, where's the point? In this parable of Jesus, this is exactly what's illustrated. Man, that's all, that's all I've been trying to say this whole little moment here. This is exactly what is illustrated. So, like, basically, get your own thing. Like, get your own oil, man. And, and so when you look at this context, let me just give a little, little outline of the context of this parable. Because we don't totally understand. Because, man, you're talking about ten virgins and this whole thing. Was that being like, this dude's going to have ten girls? Or, like, what, what is this? But let me, let me break it down to you. Because sometimes you can get out of context and we don't understand what's actually happening. Jewish weddings were a lot different than what we have today. And so what happens is the 10 virgins are actually the bridesmaids of the wedding. And so what would, what would happen in this day is that uh, the, the bridesmaids would be with the bride at, at, uh, at her house and they, they would be doing festivities or whatever they'd be doing. I don't know. It's like a secret. I don't understand what girls do when they do, you know what I'm talking about? They're doing their thing. They're getting dressed and whatever, you know? So like, and they're doing their thing, but the groom would come at nighttime with his groomsmen to come and fetch his bride and bring him back. Because what would happen is, in the in they like a year before this, they would have got what's called betrothed, and they and and kind of like the lovely couple in the back over yonder, they're they're engaged to be married. Come on, <laughs> yeah. And so and so the thing is, they would have they would call it being betrothed, but there that means in a year from now they're going to actually 
engaged in the, in the, in the whole ceremony and the whole thing. So that's kind of what would happen. But in the meantime, during the year uh, of, of when they you know, got engaged until when they actually had the ceremony, the, the, the groom would actually go back to his father's house and he would actually build an attachment onto the house for where they were supposed to be living. This sounds a little familiar, like, Jesus, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. But he would go and do this. Now, when the time was right, they would come about a year later, and the groom would come to go pick up his bride. And, and, he, would, and he would bring his groomsmen and his best man, the whole deal. He would come at night, and they would come. So then when they would come to her house, there would be a, a, a that, the, what we just read, it said, hey, the, he's here, he's here. And, and that would, there would be a shout to remind, because, you know, th- at this spe- specific story in Matthew 25, the groom took a little bit longer. I know, you know what I'm saying? He just, he had some things he needed to do, whatever. And so he would come to her house, pick her up, and where, where she and her bridesmaids would be, and then there would be a procession with all the, the wedding party back to the house, to his father's house, to the groom's father's house, and they would do the, the whole ceremony there, the consummation, the whole deal, and they would have a festival for seven days. Come on with that. Jacob, you know what I'm saying? Just think about it. Seven days, you know. <laughs> a party for seven days, like a required party. Like, I love I love Israel, man. Israel, they, they had scheduled parties throughout the year. I just love that, man. But they, And then they would proceed with all the wedding festivities. But the context of where this story is in the Bible, so that, that I just want you to know, like, this is what's actually happening in that parable. But in the context of what's happening, Jesus is actually telling us to be prepared for his second coming. And, and that's the context. But tonight, I want to focus on this general idea of getting your own oil. Because the five wise bridesmaids had their own oil in reserve because they weren't really sure when the, when the husband's going to be coming to pick them up, pick, pick up the bride. And so they, they were prepared. The foolish ones didn't. And when time came for it to really count, the wise ones were prepared, but the foolish were not. And they actually ended up getting denied. It's like, it's like they're sitting there like, yeah, awesome. They're, and so, so they're, the whole, you know, procession's going back to the house to do the celebration, the, all the whole thing. And the, and the half of the, the bridesmaids are gone at the store trying to buy some oil. You know what I'm saying? Like, and by the time they got back, the door was already closed. The party's already going on. And, 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 and I guess in this culture, it's such a disrespectful thing that they didn't let you come in. Whoa, they got, they got denied. And so... I believe that, I believe this, that if we're looking at this story on a deeper level than the surface, the oil represents intimacy with the Lord. The oil represents intimacy with the Lord. Just like oil fuels a flame, our intimacy, our relationship with the Lord fuels our lives. The oil represents intimacy with the Lord. And in scripture, oil also represents the anointing, the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And oil in our lives brings vibrancy and it brings supernatural power and we're talking in spiritual means here are you with me on this the the oil is that intimacy with god it's the anointing it's 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 when someone's functioning in the supernatural power of god it's it's what makes the difference between someone just randomly singing a song and then you have someone who 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 knows god and they're singing not just a song but they're singing about the person that they know that's what makes the difference. And I'm using that in the context of, of worship. But I mean, when someone's praying, it's the same thing. You can tell the difference when someone's praying to someone that they know or someone that they talk to once a week or once a month. You know, and this is what oil, this is intimacy. This is the anointing. And so here's what I believe, that when we live a lifestyle of intimacy with the Lord, our lives will always be shining and always be ready to give because we always have a supply of oil. Come on. Okay, come on. Because what did the oil do for their lamps? It kept them, it kept them burning and, and it kept light on them. Come on, we're the light of the world. And our lives will always be shining and we'll always be ready to give because we always have a supply of oil. And so if I'm going to leave you with one thing tonight, which hopefully I'll leave you with a few more, I'm going to leave you with this one thing. Is Number one is this. Develop your own intimacy with the Lord and not just at church. Develop your own intimacy with the Lord, not just at church. In other words, get your own oil. Intimacy can, can, can mean like this, into me you see. And when you have that kind of relationship with God, come on. <laughs> It's what builds a lasting relationship. Intimacy, into me see, into me you see. 
When I have intimacy with someone, it means that they get to see the deepest parts of who I am. And they, and they get the privilege to, to have that type of deep relationship with me. Intimacy, sometimes the world has portrayed intimacy as just sexual encounters and, and things like that. That actually is the fruit of true intimacy. Like when, it, when sexual encounters are happening in a marriage covenant, those things, those things work best when it's rooted into a real, loving, true, committed relationship with somebody. Uh, you know, and people say like, oh, we were, you know, you know, they, they, people in the world, they just paint pictures of just like, oh, that was an intimate thing. And, this, and they paint all these sensual pictures and all that stuff. That's not really what intimacy is. Intimacy is you get, to, I'm going to crack open my heart and I'm going to show you who I really am, not who I've been pretending to be. I'm going to show you who I really am. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept me and love me for who I am. And when you do that, intimacy begins and trust begins to be strengthened and a connection begins to be strengthened. Come on, man, this is what happens with us in the Lord, that we can actually be ourselves before him. I heard, I heard a pastor say this one time, and it's forever changed the way I view the word hypocrisy. He said that hypocrisy is, is trying to be something and putting a face of being something that you're not, right? It's, and it's even uh, in, in Greek, they get the word Hippocrates or something like this, and it literally means that's what they use for acting. It, it, it just means that you're, you know, you're, you're being an actor. So when, you were, when we're in a hypocrisy, we're being an actor, and so we're being something that we're not. And the problem, that the reason why God hates hypocrisy so much is that we're not, when we are pretending to be somebody else, we're not letting him love the real us. And he's loving the fake version of us. And therefore his love's never getting to our hearts because we're putting a front, saying, God, love me when I do really good on all my, all my good days, but I'm gonna hide when I'm, I'm on bad days because I don't know if you're really gonna accept me for who I really am. But intimacy says, God, I'm cracking open my heart and saying, I have failures and I have flaws and I'm, I'm smart enough to know that you already know that and you sent Jesus anyway. That's how you build re relationship with somebody ultimately the Lord, but that's also how you build relationship with the people sitting next to you. I'm not saying that you be intimate with every single person that you come across because you have to have levels of intimacy in your life or else you're going to just blow up and just be burnt out real quick on people. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, come on, you can't have 15 best friends. It's just not practical. You know what I mean? And it's actually not healthy for you either. You know, Jesus actually modeled what it looks like to have a healthy relationship with people when he, he had 12 disciples. But out, even out of the 12, he had three that he was closer to, Peter, James, and John. And even out of those three, he had John, who is even closest to, who John would be the one who would lean up against Jesus' chest and, and, and Jesus would tell him the secret of who's actually gonna betray him. I mean, th this is, talk about intimacy with the Lord when you can lay up on, you know, just lean on someone and, and it's not awkward, you know what I mean? And it's, it's different when it's a cultural thing too as well because that's, that's how they function in that culture. But it's different, you know, like when, when you're able to, to express the deep things of your heart and be, and be close to somebody. And you, you follow what I'm saying here tonight? Come on. <laughs> Come on, Dobby. No. <laughs> Come on. But I want you to catch this. Man, I'm telling you, if this will probably be one of the most significant statements I say tonight. That our greatest fulfillment will come in our deepest connection with Jesus. Our greatest fulfillment will come in our deepest connection with Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I was, I was, I was worshiping. Just yesterday, I, just, I go home for lunch and, and we eat, and eat lunch there uh, as I'm, I work here. And then I go home for lunch. It's just you know, five minutes away, so it's nice. And you don't have to spend money on lunch. Dave Ramsey, what? And so like, we, we you know, we, we're just doing that. And I remember just like, I'm just gonna take some time to worship God. And I just, I played like two worship songs on my little stereo, went in my little prayer room. And man, there was so much inside of me that I could not express what was going on inside of me, like tears and shouting and, and everything, kneeling, all that, I could not express. There was something burning inside of me so much, man. I'm, I'm like, I know this might sound weird, but I'm like beating the ground and like crying my eyes. I go like, God, there's so much inside of here that I can't even express with anything that I could say in words. I couldn't like, maybe if I was a drummer, maybe, honey, maybe if I was a drummer, I could hit the drums as hard as I can to express the passion that burns inside of my heart for Jesus, man. Like, 
I, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm sitting there singing out this older hill song, you know, is singing, I love you, all of my hope is in you. Uh, Jesus Christ, take my life, take all of me. And I'm singing this out to God. And then there's this instrumental thing. And, I, and there's some, the beautiful thing about music is, like, hashtag Bob Marley. This, you know, the good thing about music is that when it hits you, you feel no pain, you know, anyway. Uh, but that's the way it is, man. There, have you guys heard that before? That's so good. You know, and, and I just feel like it's the thing that this expression of music that, man, I can't even say in words. And there's, man, I, and I'm saying all this because there's a, there's a devotion, there's a, there's a passion that's, that we were made for to burn for this thing. And to long for God, and it's found in the secret place. It's found in intimacy with God. It's found in seeking Him on your own and developing your own intimacy, and not just at church. Because there's things I'll do in my secret place that I won't do here, man. I mean, I'll express dancing and all that stuff, but there's things that are just between me and the Lord, man. You know what I'm saying? The root word for hallelujah is a Hebrew word halal, and it literally means to to act clamorously foolish and act madly and shout and rave and, and all this stuff. And in, in other words, it means act the fool for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you're from the South, it'd be like, go honky tonk for Jesus. You know, it's just wild. It's just wild stuff. And we and I have those moments with the Lord, and, and maybe one day I'll break it out. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm telling you, there's, <laughs> it's obviously like, nah, no, 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 no. But what, what am I trying to, what am I trying to say? Man, we, we have to develop this thing. There is a, this is our deepest fulfillment, man. I'm telling you that, that however many minutes, five to 10 minutes, I just took on my break at lunch to just cry out to God and my, how much I love him. There is, there is this deepest connection. This is the most satisfaction I can get on this planet. It's the most satisfaction I can get in the entire world. It's one moment with Jesus. And so, you know, I'm going to get into this a little more with David, but David, King David was a man after God's heart, and he wrote this in Psalm 1611, and you can just look at this later. He says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And he, said, he says this, he says, eternal pleasures are at your right hand. Come on, we can't just pass over that and act like, oh, that's, that's very holy. Thank you, Lord. And then go on our day. He says eternal pleasures. Come on, that's like, that's like divine ecstasy, man. Like I, I'm telling you in the most righteous way, how could you even write something like that unless you sought God and you tasted of that? Come on, man. Psalm 1611, David writes out of his heart. He says eternal pleasures are at your right hand. Come on, that's better than anything the world can offer. That's why later he would write, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on. Uh, uh, St. Augustine said this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I love that. This uh, French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus Christ. Come on. That's not just for like getting saved. That's like how you live your life. Come on, you know, sometimes we just use that for an altar call. Like only Jesus will fulfill you to get saved. Amen. I believe that. But then we forget about it. Like we forget like, dude, the whole day to day thing is Jesus is the most beautiful, amazing, satisfying person I've ever met. You know what I'm saying? And so here's the deal. Many times we, we, we can end up like the foolish bridesmaids and not have oil when it really counts because we, we can neglect the times with the Lord. And, and then just like them, man, you notice they went to the dudes who actually had oil and they're like, Hey, Hey, give me some. And sometimes we do this. Sometimes we try to live off someone else's oil. Come on. We try to live off someone else's relationship with the Lord. And we say like, Oh, you know, actually you should have Tyler pray for you. Cause man, I don't know if God's really working in my life. We, we need to have someone else do this. Or, hey, can you pray for this thing? I'm going through this stuff. I need you to pray for this. And we're like feeding off of someone else's thing. I'm not saying that you don't need people to pray with you and, and if intercessors and all that type of stuff. But sometimes we don't actually it, cultivate our own oil with the Lord. So when it really counts for us to use the oil, we've, we're, we're found helpless. We're found like dry. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, oh, dude. I should have done that, you know, whatever. And you're like in the moment and you're like, oh, or, or sometimes we seek God fervently only when we're in a crisis. Notice how they started knocking on the door hard. They're like, hey, sir, let us in, let us in. And he's like, sorry. And, and sometimes that's what it is in life that we seek God hardcore when we're in a crisis. And then when everything's good, we're like, I'm good, I'm good to go. 
and it leaves us with no oil. And it leaves us unprepared for anything that will come our way. It leaves, us, it leaves us high and dry. We don't have anything to offer. We don't have any light shining out of us. We have, we have no anointing. There's nothing. And in reality, the truth is that Christ is the anointed one. He lives inside of us, but we don't have a relationship with him. It's hard to pull on him. You know what I'm saying? He'll still come and rescue us in any situation we call on him. But what I'm trying to say is, is that many times we do like the foolish uh, bridesmaids and we try to live off someone else's. We try to piggyback on someone else's anointing upon someone else's passion for the Lord, upon someone else's enemies with the Lord. And we're like, wait a second, we, I need my own oil because when the time comes, they're not going to be standing next to me my whole entire life. You know what I'm saying? The most anointed people in your life are not going to be there in the times that you're always going to need them. I'm, I'm just saying, like, they'll, they'll be there, but not all the time, but Jesus will. You know what I'm saying? It, it, Psalm 18 says, it's better to put your trust in the Lord than in man. We can't, we can't put our anchor in an, an anointed man or woman of God. We have to put our anchor in Jesus and get our own oil from him. We need our own oil. We need our own intimacy with the Lord. Matthew 6, verse 6 Jesus gives us one of the most amazing instructions. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret, everyone say secret. The Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Come on with that. Where's the Father? He's in the secret place. I don't know where to find God. Well, go in your room, shut the door, and he's right there. Come on. He's right there. He's waiting for you. He's anticipating you. Here's some other powerful verses. Psalm 25, 14. Psalm 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord. So sometimes we say it's, it's, not, it, you know, it's not just us opening our hearts and, and revealing the deep things of us. Coolest part, God opens his heart and says, I'm going to show you the deep things of my heart and the secrets that I don't tell everybody. Come on. So here, here's an example. They're sitting at the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. They're doing the, the, you know, breaking the bread and the juice and the whole deal. And Jesus says this statement, and I referred to it already. Jesus says, I'm telling you guys the truth. One of you guys is going to betray me. And they start going around the table like, who is it? Is it me? Is it you? Is it, who, who is it? And Peter, this is so crazy. Because Peter is sitting across from Jesus. John is sitting next to Peter motions to John. And he says, hey, John. Can you ask Jesus, or, or uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Peter says, John, can you ask Jesus who's the one, the one who's going to betray? Question, why didn't Peter just go straight to Jesus? Come on. And, and John revealed the secret, or I'm um, sorry, Jesus revealed the secret to John that he didn't tell everybody else. Why? Intimacy, relationship. He had a close relationship. He knew he was loved by the Lord. For some reason, Peter had to ask someone else. You know what I'm talking about when you get, you know what I'm saying? Like in the, in, in, when you have favorites in the family, you know, and they're not, you're not supposed to say there's favorites, but you all, you all know who the favorite is. You know what I'm saying? You're like, hey, go ask mom if we can go out and play right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like, why don't you ask him? Because you're the favorite. Come on, man. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever been there before? Like, I mean, I'm always the favorite, so I don't know what that feels like, but you know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm playing with you. But, but you know what I'm saying? And that's what we do sometimes because you recognize, like, dude, Yuli is, is the favorite. Like, we're going to go through you. We're not going directly to the source. We're going through you because we know if we go through you, we're going to win. And that's what Peter was doing. And now all I'm trying to say is that's the invitation for you to have that kind of relationship with the Lord where he reveals secrets to you. You can go straight to him. Come on. Proverbs 25.2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. God will hide things, not from you, but for you. And when you search it out, it's a noble thing. Another Exodus 33:11. The Lord, Exodus 33:11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Come on with that. That's like Joshua generation, hungry people who just can't get enough of God. Like Moses going home, I got to go to sleep. Like, dude, I'm good right here next to the glory. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good next to the presence of God. And so church is awesome and church is the training ground. But man, we got to get with the Lord every day because he's anticipating you. He's, he just can't wait to hear from you. Number two, uh, intimacy with the Lord sets you up for future success. 
intimacy with the Lord sets you up for future success. So if you go back in the Old Testament, uh, you know, and, and Samuel and, and Daniel was referring to this in worship, but the first king of Israel was King Saul. And Saul started out good, but he kind of, he messed up. You know what I'm saying? He just was off track for, for a little while. He, he got re- rebellious and eventually God rejected him as king. And so Samuel the prophet comes up to him. And let me just show you a couple verses and we're gonna read a little bit of Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. But 1 Samuel 13, 14, uh, Saul had disobeyed the word of the Lord. And, he, and it says, but now your kingdom will not endure. He's speaking to Samuel, speaking to Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Oh, it's a bad day for Saul. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you have a prophecy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like excited for prophecy and not this day. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, dang it. And it gets worse because the homeboy doesn't repent. Homeboy doesn't change his ways. He keeps, he keeps rebelling against the Lord. So you see in 1 Samuel 15, 28, Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors. And check this out, to one better than you. Oh, dude, you know, punch me in the face instead because that'll feel better. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, oh. he got rejected as king and said, yeah, we found someone better than you. Like, mm, you know what I'm saying, too? Like, oh, you know. And so, man, so you fast forward to 1 Samuel 16, and the prophet Samuel is now on the search for a new king of Israel. Because all that Samuel knew about this was there was a man after God's heart, and there was, a, and there was someone who was better than Saul. So this is all he knew. He's like, okay, I'm going on search. The Lord told him, go to Jesse's house. Okay, I'm going to go to Jesse's house. And Jesse had eight sons. And so, so, they, so Jesse's like, okay. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of presenting his sons before the prophets so that we can see, like, if this is going to be the one, it's going to be the one, you know. And so he presents all of these sons before him, you know what I'm saying, these buff dudes, warrior guys, kind of like Davi, you know what I'm saying, and just like coming up and come on. And, and you know, and all these guys, but the Lord's like, like no, like, you, stop looking at the outward appearance because I'm not looking at that. The Lord actually looks at the heart. And, and so he's like, okay. And so when you read, uh, if you catch up in verse 10, 1 Samuel 16, 10, it says, Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are all these, are, are these all the sons you have? And he's like, oh, they're, they're still the youngest, but he's tending sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Verse 12, so he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Tyler, hey, come on. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He's the one. And so, what it, come on, verse 13. Samuel took the horn of what? That's it. He took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Come on with this. David was found as a man after God's own heart and he was better than Saul. When Paul's preaching about him later in Acts 13, 22, he says, when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Come on, the context is that David is found tending sheep and I would, I would add that he was found as a man after God's heart. But here, here's, the crazy, here's the crazy part. He's in there and all he's doing is tending sheep. That's all the commentary that the father talks about his son. But, but the Lord had a different commentary about David. The Lord said, I've, I've actually found someone who is after my heart. I found someone who will do all of my will, who's completely surrendered to my, my entire will. And he's actually better than Saul. And David, or, and, and the prophet Samuel didn't even know who this was going to be. He just walked in the room knowing that this is the kind of person. And lo and behold, walks in this teenage boy who's, who's ruddy. He's good looking, but he's probably not, you know, too buff or anything because compared to all the other brothers, you know what I'm saying? They wasn't looking at the outward appearance, but there was one thing that caught the prophet's heart and God's heart, most importantly, is that this dude was a man after God's own heart. He was a person who would pursue God. He was being faithful with where he was, tending his father's sheep. But what we do know that he was also worshiping God out there. And he was probably learning the harp, 
playing worship to God, that we would see later on the same chapter that when David would play the harp before Saul, who was tormented by an evil spirit, David would just play, not even sing, he would just play, and the demon would leave King Saul. Come on, man, he was a nobody, and he's casting demons off of people. Here's what I want you to see, that David wanted God not for, for what God could do for him. He was just after the sheer beauty of God. He was just after the beauty and the majesty. He found God in creation. And he would write things like, your strength is like the mighty mountains. Your glory reaches above the heavens. Your love is, it stretches to the skies. And, and the glory of God is in the skies. And he would write psalms like this. And he just found God in everything. And this was his heart. He was just after God. And he was in awe and wonder of this amazing person. He was like, God, I need to seek you so I get a breakthrough. He was like, God, you are my breakthrough. If I just get Jesus, you know what I'm saying? If I just get him. And this is what God was looking for the entire time. Someone who wasn't after God so they can get a breakthrough. Someone who was after God so they could get God and have relationship with God. Come on. And here's the crazy part. His own father didn't even consider him to be the king. He didn't even, his own father didn't consider him to be chosen or anointed. Can you, can you imagine that? He, he runs by all seven brothers, and then he's even, he, didn't even, he didn't even think of bringing David before the prophet. He didn't even think of it. The prophet had to bring it up. Do you have anybody else? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Davey. You know what I'm saying? Like, his own father didn't consider him. You read later in, in chapter 17 that his own brothers didn't highly regard him. He was the youngest. I want you to catch this. He was willing to be a nobody. He was willing to be a nobody. He sought God, not for status, not for image, not for, for approval, not for acceptance. His seeking God was a pure thing. It was pure heart. It was, he really just loved God and his heart was fully surrendered. Come on. And this is the person who the God of the universe named his very own son after. Messiah is called Son of of David. For all eternity, David's name is attached to the most important person in the universe, Jesus Christ, the son of David. Come on, that man, that's a reputation. That's a clean heart. That's a pure heart. Like, God, I don't need anything else but you. Oh, is that how your heart is? Cool. I want to make your name great. And you didn't even ask for it. And it's all because of relationship. He literally, literally had his own oil from God. And David was being prepared for something greater than he knew. I want to encourage you, you got to cherish the hidden times. Cherish the hidden times. In contrast, King Saul didn't have the same passion and heart for God. Like David speaks of him because they, they, the Ark of the Covenant was the, that, the box that housed the presence of God, so to speak. It was representing the presence of God. And in First Chronicles 13, 3, David's bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem because he's taking over the, the, as king. And he says in First Chronicles 13, 3, he says, It's time to bring back the Ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. King Saul was not dedicated to the Lord like David was. Do you, you see that? Did it go up there? It was, they, they neglected the presence. They neglected the presence. And it, when, it t when it came time for Saul to use extra oil, he didn't have any left. Are you with me on that? His leading got shaky because his relationship with the Lord got shaky. Come on. It's so crazy that King Saul in his days, he actually turned to a witch, to a medium, to consult and, and, and it was so crazy because prophet Samuel had already died and Samuel would be like his connection to the Lord, basically. And when, he, when, he, when, uh, when Samuel died, he went to a witch and, and it's this thing called necromancy. And basically he's calling on the spirits of the dead to come back and talk to him. It's just in the Bible, man. Come on, the Bible is not G-rated. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he goes to a witch of Endor and they call up the spirit of Samuel from the dead. And you know what's crazy about this? The spirit of Samuel appears to them, and you know what happens? He still gets rebuked from Samuel the prophet, you know, through a witch. You know what I'm saying? Like, he gets rebuked again. I'm like, oh, Saul, dude, come on, man. Repent, please, for the sake of Jesus. You know, it's like, man, 
But this how this is I'm, I'm telling you this because this is how far off Saul was. He was so far off that he went to go call up spirits from the dead in order to hear a word from the Lord. I mean, that's how you know you're whacked out, man. When you start going to witchcraft to try to find Jesus, you know, so you're like, well, all roads to lead to what? Like, no, that doesn't work, bro. But I, you know, when I go, when they go to, to the, get on the plane, it's not like, I'm just going to get on whatever plane. It's going to take me to, to Mozambique. But like, no, dude, a, a specific plane is going to take you to a specific place. You know what I'm saying? All roads do not lead to the same place. That is illogical. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and man, but he, here's the point though. King Saul did not have the same passion and heart for God that David did. And it, and it blew up his entire life. It blew up his entire life because when it was needed, like when the, when the, ten, the, the five foolish virgins, they needed the oil. They didn't have it and they got shut out. They got denied. When King Saul needed relationship with God, he needed repentance. He needed to get right with God. He didn't have any. He didn't have any reserve to pull from. And he started going to, to demonize people to find God. I mean, that's how whacked out it got. And, and man, when I'm telling you, when people don't have seasons in their life where they're willing to be a nobody and have Jesus be everything, it'll set them up for a faulty foundation in their future. It's the way it is. David, let me say this, David's shepherding season prepared him for his destiny as king. He would not be able to be the king he was if he wouldn't, didn't have the heart he did when nobody cared and nobody saw. The question is, are we willing to have a passionate heart after God and have nobody give us a, approval for it? except for the Lord himself. This is the heart of David, man. This is the heart of somebody, because when, when opportunity called, David was ready because he had oil. Did he mess up? Yeah, but you wanna know what the first thing he did when the prophet rebuked him? He got on his face before the Lord and he repented. Psalm 51 says, I have not, I, I didn't sin against anybody else but you, God. That's, man, I'm telling you, that's how you know your heart's connected to somebody. When you know it's not about everything else, it's, about, it's really about your relationship with God. And he, and he writes, he writes this in, in Psalm 51 about his, you know, his adultery with Bathsheba, but he repents and his repentance is so powerful, man. He's just like, God, I messed up and I sinned it against you alone, God. Come on, man. It's in, in his, it, he was deeply rooted in his relationship with God be, way before he got a title of recognition. Are you with me on this? Come on, man. The, the intimacy with the Lord prepares you for future success. When you have this type of relationship with the Lord, it sets you up for wise decisions in the future. Because now you're not basing your, your, your decisions on your emotions and, and how I feel in this moment or what I want and what I don't want. It's like, God, what do you want? Because I trust in everything you say. You're amazing. And everything you have for my life is good. And I know that not because the preacher told me, but because I experienced it myself. I t I've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Come on. It sets you up for future, future success. Because there's going to be times that you're going to be tested in this. There's going to be times when, when it's going to be pushed and, and, and this type of stuff. But man, David, he went through, I mean, he went through hell, if I could say it like that. Saul was trying to kill him for 13 years before he took over his king, kingly role. I mean, what? Come on, man. But what was, I mean, think about this. He had opportunities to kill the person who was killing him. And he didn't kill him because he said, this is the Lord's anointed. He always tied it back to the Lord. Because I honor God, I'm not gonna do this unrighteous thing. But you know, his, his own warriors with him were like, but the Lord has handed him into your hands. You know, he's handed him over to you. Why don't you take him? He's like, I'm not gonna touch the Lord's anointed. Come on, man. It wasn't about Saul. It was about Jesus. It was about his relationship with God. I'm telling you, this is the most important thing in the entire world. It will set you up for future success. David was a nobody. His own family didn't care about him as much as, you know, they should have, I think. And he was willing to be a nobody and just have intimacy with the Lord. And it set him up for the, what, it, what people call now the golden years of Israel when he was reigning him and his son. Ooh, number three, the oil of intimacy costs. This is, this, I'm gonna land on this tonight. The oil of intimacy costs. I want you to notice that when we look at the parable in Matthew 25, notice how the wise bridesmaids told the foolish ones, they said, go buy for yourselves. They said, go purchase some oil. Why? Because oil costs. 
And you catch that. Oil costs. Intimacy with God costs. The anointing costs. I mean, we, we ha we've had people come into our church and say, man, we should have you guys come and lead worship at our place and the whole culture will change. I'm like, bro, this is, costs a lot. It doesn't just happen like that. Like we, we, we have, you know, our church is known for worship here in the community and, and, and around the region because people pay to cost. And I'm not talking about just myself as the worship pastor. I'm talking about all the worship leaders and, in our, pa and our senior pastors because we wouldn't be able to have the freedom we have unless they let us <laughs> and have passionate pastors who love to worship God and the freedom to express our worship. Some churches you go to and you're like the weird one if you lift your hands. But that's not biblical, man. Jesus said, you know, the psalmist said, lift your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, why, why am I saying all this? Because sometimes we go like, oh, that'll, it'll just happen. Yeah, just bring up, you know, just have them come over to our church and we'll just have that happen. I'm like, bro, it's a whole culture shift. It costs. You have to let go of the traditions of man sometimes. You have to let go of your fears. You, you have to let go of, I'm going to dance before the Lord. Oh, what are people going to think? I mean, this is, how it, this, is, this is how crazy the fear of man is. That, you know, I guarantee, I guarantee that you go in your secret place, shut the door, turn on some dance praise music, you know, some uppity, jumpy stuff, and start jumping on the bed like, you know, jump, you know, more monkeys jumping on the bed. You know, like, just go crazy for the Lord. And I guarantee you'll probably look, like, around, like, as if someone's actually there in the room. Because you're going to be embarrassed for yourself. I dare you, dude. I dare you. I dare you. You'd be like, because that's the fear of man, man. Because like, we're so afraid. We're so afraid. Like, what are people going to think? And we're like, come on, man. You got to dance like nobody's watching. Praise like nobody. You know, all this type of stuff. It costs though, man. That It costs you to let go of some fear. It costs you to let go of some pride. Come on. To cry in church? That costs a little bit of pride. I mean, after a while, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm just a flubbering mess sometimes, you know, and I'm, I'm down with that, you know what I'm saying? I got a tissue box right in the front row, you know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, like a pile of tissues at the end of worship, you know? I'm okay with that. But I'm telling you, the first few times it happened, it cost me my pride. Because I'm like, dude, I'm the new person and everyone sees me crying. They're, of course, they're, now they're going to talk to me and pray for me. Dang it, you know? Like, I just didn't want to be that dude, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it'll cost you sometimes relationships. Sometimes it will, and God will put his finger on something and say, hey, I, I don't, that's not good for you. Can you let that go? I mean, I've had that. I've literally, the Lord has told me, I, can I have that? No, Lord. <laughs> Which is an oxymoron, like, no and Lord don't work in the same sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I remember taking all this stuff that was, that related to this relationship and throwing it in the trash can. And just weeping because I knew it was, it was just it, something ripped out of my soul when I let, threw all that stuff away. But I have to go like back to the point, like, wait a second, what matters most in life? Jesus. Because I'm not going to be standing in heaven and go, you know, saying like, oh, I wish I, you know, I wish I had this girlfriend. I wish I had this baby. Like, man, come on. You're going to see the beauty of Jesus. You're going to forget all that stuff. You're not going to be thinking about that. Jesus is way too overwhelming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes it costs us this stuff. Sometimes it costs us real simple. It just takes, costs us time. Turn off Netflix. Come on, man. Sometimes you go on Netflix binge. It's summertime, man. Netflix binging, dude. Like, I watched 18 episodes. <laughs> and they come to church like this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> You're all cross-eyed. You can't even look straight anymore because you've been gaming all night. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, come on, man. It costs time. And be like, oh, man, you know, what if the Lord puts his finger on and says, I don't want you to drink alcohol. Like, and you're, and you're over 21 and you don't get drunk. And you dude, tiny sacrifice to pay for the Lord. Like, that's, that's not, that's like, man, we talk about sacrifice. Like, Jesus laid his life down. What are we talking about? Sacrifice. <laughs> Come on, we don't even know what sacrifice means. <laughs> hey, I, you know, it's like, come on, man. Like, I need you to fast Facebook and Instagram for a week. Oh, that's a sacrifice. You know, like, come on, man. Like, if that's a total first world problem, like to the 10th degree, man. I'm like, but it's my life, bro. Dude, come on, man. Like, <laughs> give me a break, you know what I'm saying? 
Here, I'll give you a Kit Kat. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, <laughs> break me off. I don't know what I'm saying. Sometimes in order to get closer to God, we have to make sacrifices. We have to sacrifice time, activities, TV, music, movies, relationships, and just plain out sin. We just have to knock it off. Stop, man. You know what I mean? Not time for that. You know, you talk about the temple. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there's a temple, and there were stages to the temple. Let's just say the drum kit is the holy of holies, and, and, and there's like this stage part is the holy place, and then right here is the priest's court, and then out here was the, the, the woman's court, and then outside the wall was the Gentile's court. And it was a progression to get to the holy of holies where the presence of God dwelt. But, so you say you, you know, they go through the gate beautiful, you get into the women's court where they were allowed, then you cross, you, you go up some stairs, and you get into the thing called the priest's court. In the priest's court, there is this, there is an altar in the priest's court. And in order to get past the, the, the priest's court into the holy place where they would burn incense and all that, and then to get past the veil into the holy of holies place, you had a, you had to cross an altar. And you know what altars are for? Sacrifices. The road to deeper places with the Lord is paved with sacrifices. <laughs> you with me on this? You want to go deeper to the Lord. You got to let go of some things. You know, like we, Rashawn and I joke around sometimes because she, when she's pregnant, she can't fit through spaces. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> is that okay, Huns? She's like, she can't fit through spaces like she used to. Be like, oh, I'll go get that for you. She, boom, stuck. Um, <laughs> son? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's like, <laughs> and I'm saying, like, sometimes we can't fit through places. And I'm not saying, like, he's awesome. I'm not, t- I'm not trying to make a correlation here. But sometimes we can't fit through places. We got to let some things go. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, not my son. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, Anyway, y'all y- y- get what I'm saying. The oil of intimacy costs. And when I, let me, I won't catch this. When I said yes to Rochelle, I said no to everybody else. How many understand that's a cost? But man, when you're in pursuit, I mean, it's a cost, but it, it's not even a cost when I realize what I have. Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we look, oh, we're going to pay the cost. We're like, dude, look what you got, bro. Come on, man. Like, you, when you let go and you lose your life to get Jesus instead, I mean, the cost is like, it's peanuts, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's not even worth discussing. The amazing person that you get in exchange. And that's what, that's what happens, man. When you're in pursuit, we got to think of it like the relationship, man. When you're in pursuit of the opposite sex, you do crazy things to get to each other. You do crazy things to get closer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you... <laughs> you just do weird things. I mean, you're texting up until four in the morning. You're you're Facebooking. You're 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 waking up at sunrise. You're doing all kinds of things. You're kind of creepily going to their work and driving by, like, hey, you know, what I'm saying, like, you do weird things. You know, they're like, oh, that's a little too much. You know, what I'm saying, like, <laughs> not when you're married, but you know, what I'm saying, like, and I. But you got to think of it, man, because you, you, you do crazy things like that when you're into somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Why not for the Lord, man? It, it, it's, just, it's just the way, it's the same thing. And so uh, let's, just, let's just have the, the worship team come forward. And, and I'm going to close with just a, just a prayer and, and some things here. And, and we're just going to sing just a little bit to the Lord, just to let this thing soak in our hearts. And um, yeah, come on. I want you to catch this, though. Before we close, I want you to catch this. This kind of living, it takes vision for your future and a heart for what matters most. Like, this kind of lifestyle takes a vision for the future and and a heart for what really matters most. It has to, you have to think future tense. You have to think, like, where do I want to be when, when, you know, the bridegroom comes on the scene and and I have, have to use my, my lamp to, to light my way. Like, where, where, do I want to be without oil? Do I want to be with, I got to be thinking in the future, AKA, where, where do I want to be when I need something from the Lord? Like, where do, like, like, for example, I'm in a tragic situation and someone's in a, in a, a situation where they need a breakthrough from God. Where, what am I going to do? Be like, oh, you, you, you should, you should call Anthony or something. Cause I don't really have any oil left. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, we got to think future tense. 
We've got to think like when my family needs a breakthrough or, or when, my, when my church needs something or, or when my workplace needs someone to represent Jesus, am I going to have enough oil for that situation? Because I cultivated intimacy with the Lord. We got to think future tense because some of you guys are going to get married soon or you're going to have kids and this whole thing. You have to think future tense because the, the, the wise virgins, they bought the oil before the whole ceremony has started. They had the oil way years before. I've been building oil for 14 years now following Jesus. I have a lot of oil on reserve right now. You know what I'm saying? 14 years of seeking God. And I'm not saying all 14 years have been perfect and devotions and this whole thing, but I've had 14 years of like devouring the word of God, 14 years of taking time to worship by myself, 14 years of seeking God in the prayer, what Jesus said, when you pray, go to the secret place. I've had 14 years of doing this with Jesus and it's amazing and it just gets better. I'm having more fun now than I did 14 years ago. You have to have a vision for the future when it really counts. And you have to have a heart for what really matters most, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, touch your neighbor and say, get your own oil. Let's all stand together. I'm gonna pray for you and then we'll just sing a little bit together, just our love for Jesus and God, I thank you. Just open your hands to the Lord tonight. Father, I thank you. I, I love the times of impartation where we can pray for spiritual gifts and, and all that stuff. But God, I know in my heart that I cannot, I can't transfer my history with God to, to, to the people here tonight. But I can, I can, I can inspire and bring a, a vision for it, God. And so my heart is, God, that you would stir our hearts tonight. Let the heart of David, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you. I thank you that you would stir our hearts, just pour out love and affection to you, that we're willing to be a nobody, God, and just, just Jesus be our everything, God. I thank you, God. I thank you for the oil of intimacy with the Lord. God, I thank you. I see a generation whose lives are sold out for the Lord who seek God with passion. God, I see a generation in awe and wonder of our awesome God. Father, I see a generation willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get closer to God. I see a generation whose future is bright and hope is secure in Christ, whose marriages are radiating, whose children are godly. I see a generation who doesn't quit in the hard times and doesn't forget in the good times. God, I see a generation of purity, a generation of purity in spirit, soul, and their bodies. God, I see a generation who's quick to repent. I see a generation whose hearts belong to the Lord. God, I see a generation who seeks your face, who, who, who seeks out the scriptures, who seeks out times in prayer, who seeks out times of worship and adoration to you, God. God, I thank you for a generation who's setting themselves up for a future success. God, we're not looking, we're not looking to the end of this year. We're, we're looking five years out. We're looking 10 years out. What is this, what is this group gonna look like? They're not gonna be in crux anymore, but God, they're, they're gonna be in your heart. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you. I see a generation whose hearts are wrapped around what matters most. Our glorious Lord Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thanks for your anointing. God, everyone wants the victory, but no one wants the battle. But I thank you there's a group of people here who are willing to sacrifice. Thanks, God. We're after your heart tonight. Thanks, Jesus. Let's just lift our voices and, and praise to him tonight. And let's just, let's just worship him. Come on. Come on.
Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Come on, if you need to come out of your seat, if you need to just kneel before the Lord or whatever, this is your moment just to like be free before Jesus. We're gonna continue. I just wanna just, just say like, let's, we have like five more minutes here tonight. Obviously, it's what you do at home as well. But tonight, if there's things you need to lay down before the Lord, if there's things you need to let go of, this is your moment. This is your moment to like, to give it to God and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it down for you tonight. Let's do that tonight. Father, thanks for that. And thanks, you, we love you because you first loved us. Thanks for the mercy of the cross. Thanks how you wash our sins away and you give us brand new starts. Our hearts come alive with you. Our hearts come alive with you. Come on. Let's just do it. Let's just give it. Let's give them devotion tonight. Come on.